Remain standing for a moment. Come on, Abby. You thought I was taking your thunder, huh? Our scripture reading today will be by young Miss Abby. Matthew 3, 16 through 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, here I'll take that. Thank you. All right, you're done. You can give that to Mr. Mike. Thank you, Miss Abby, for being courageous and brave. Well, I tell you, there's something about hearing that young, innocent voice share such a powerful moment in the history of our world that's moving. Don't adjust your... uh, Your sets, if you're watching online, that is a beard. I'm Jace, a nobody really, but God moved in and took over. So, here I am today standing before you. Uh, I must warn you that I'm under the influence of... Of the Holy Spirit of God. I have a drug problem in Jesus. Three specifically. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Y'all look perplexed by that. (laughs) Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's what we do. What I decided to do this week, a little bit different in preparation, is I decided to worship God in song and in thought at every moment I was awake. Grocery store, I'm singing. People are noticing. Boy, you're excited. I said, I really am. It can actually be quite exhausting, to tell you the truth. I'm in the car. Christ be magnified. I know that was a new song to you, but Missy and I heard that song. We were at a worship leaders meeting. Thousands of people, and they sang that song. They all knew that song. And when you have these moments where you're singing with thousands of people, and it sounds like some kind of angelic sound, and you start Imagining heaven, it stirs you up. I heard this lesson that I'm going to try to share with you today while I was there. From the water to the wilderness. From the water to the wilderness. What does it mean? I've spent a lot of time in my life in the wilderness and on the water. It has nothing to do with that. I'll just tell you before we get into our text. We have this moment, most of us in this room had this moment when you were introduced to Jesus and you were cut to the heart and you said, this is it. 
You were broken. You surrendered to Jesus. It might have been a river. It might have been right behind me in this heated baptistry. And you knew that you had God's Spirit. You knew that you were forgiven. And you knew that one day when you die, you're coming back. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, to be honest, you're like, what the heck? This has gotten difficult. And even that, you might have gone and done things like when we went to the worship conference or you might have gone out to camp and you had these top of the mountain experiences. And then you go back out and you're like, what in the world? This is what? Why isn't this easier? Why are bad things happening? The most miserable years of my life, and I'm counting before my parents were Christians, was the two years I spent down the road here at Westboro High School, because I came to Jesus at 14, from 14 to 16, going there as a believer. It was miserable. I was persecuted. I was alienated. I was young. I didn't know how to do this. I was just trying not to do wrong. I was lonely. I kept studying this. I kept thinking back. To when I was standing in the water, looking at my dad, who I one time had hated, and I kind of had a point. But now God has brought them together and brought us all together. I kept thinking about that moment. Because faith is being sure of what we hope for, but I had gotten out to the world and that question kept coming through my mind. Am I sure about this? Because it sure seems difficult. What I didn't know had happened is I had gone from the water to the wilderness. So, I realized somewhere in there that I was not going to be able to be shy and be a follower of Jesus. So I started making changes in my life. And about the time I thought I was on top of the world again, the only friend I had through that those two years, 14 to 16, was this. I'm going to probably get emotional about this. I've already prepared myself, but that's fine. When I was 14 to 16, I met a girl. Ironically, her name was Angel. I met her because she introduced Jesus to me at a basketball game, which was weird. And we became friends. It was 100% spiritual. She was the most bold person I've ever met. She reminded me of John the Baptist, which is what we're going to be looking in today. Especially about the lifestyle. She loved, you know, when John the Baptist, before he baptized Jesus, which Abby just read. 
you know, we don't read this very often, but right before that happened, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to John the Baptist and he said, you bunch of snakes. These were religious people. It would be like me coming in here and my opening line being, all right, you bunch of snakes. You need to produce some fruit out there in keeping with repentance. She was kind of like that. When she heard any kind of mischief going on, people getting drunk, or she'd be like, that's just stupid. That is just dumb. It's not going to get your body out of the ground. I tell you that to say this. About the time I got rolling again, she gets killed in a car wreck. So I'm like, why her? I didn't understand how this worked. Didn't get over it for years. My wife could tell you it was just, it was a, it was a sore subject. And so God blessed our family through a silly show and it gave us a platform. So I said, you know, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to tell about how God rescued us and uses us. Well, part of my journey was meeting an angel. So I'll put that in the book. Well, her parents, when they read it, they got in touch with me because they were happy because, I mean, this happened 30 years ago. They were glad that her legacy was was being introduced in, to them and to the world. And so they called me and they said they wanted to meet. And... uh I called Trent. I was like, Trent had gone. He's my security at some of the events we went to because he just got the body for it. <laughs> and I asked him to go because I thought, I'll give you some extra money. But I like surrounding myself with people who really love Jesus and are using that. I just like them being around me. But I called him and he went out there and I put you in a difficult circumstance. I didn't know what was going to happen. But they they gave me her jersey. She had a scholarship at Baylor University. She was a freshman. She's the only woman that ever just absolutely destroyed me in basketball. I was pretty good. And uh, they gave me her Bible, as was. Got all kind of notes in it. Of course, I lost it. And when I opened up the cover, she had favorite verse, John 3.16. It's a verse that I know by heart. But I went over there and I read it. Twenty-five years after that happened. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him. Should not perish. But have eternal life. Like an idiot I thought she had perished. What was I thinking? So. John the Baptist came preaching. And then Jesus comes up in Matthew 3 
And in verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. I didn't know what that meant at first. But the more I studied, the more I read Hebrews chapter 11, I realized that all the people up to Jesus who had put their faith and trust in God because of his word. They didn't get what was promised. The last verse in Hebrews 11 says that only together with us. So here comes Jesus in this moment, fixed to start his ministry. What he's fixing to do is going to provide forgiveness and hope all the way back and all the way forward. John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I spoke last week. I speak most weeks this time of year. I only have one speech. I introduced Jesus. Sometimes it's friendly fire. People are believers. They get people like me to come in. I share Jesus. People that wouldn't normally go to church. They're hunters. They're fishermen. They watch Duck Dynasty. They'll come. Last week, I was at an event that I could tell in about five seconds this wasn't a church event. In the VIP meet and greet. A lady, she kind of patted me on the rear. So I figured she was drunk because who would flirt with me looking like I do? You know, I was like, well, she's gone. <laughs> and you said, well, what did that do to you? I realized I'm in the wilderness here. This was a fundraiser for public education. They got me to show up. They charged people because they wanted their money. So I got up and I said, well, since this is a fundraiser for public education, I'm going to go with Noah Webster here. Y'all know his famous quote, crickets. I said, who knows that quote? No one raised their hand. I said, well, let me quote Noah Webster where we get our dictionary. Education is useless without the Bible. Well, nobody amen there. I can tell you that. (laughs) And then I went down the Galatians road. I said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I live, I live through faith in the Son of God. Christ Jesus lives in me. I live by faith because He loves me. He gave his life for me. I don't set aside the grace of God. I'm quoting Galatians 2.20. Because if righteousness could be obtained by performance, observing the law, 
then Christ died for nothing. I then went to Galatians 3:26 and 27 because they had played sharp dressed man as I was walking up. I mean, we're going back to Duck Dynasty days here. And I was the most underdressed person in the entire building. And I said, I'm glad y'all played that because I'm a son of God through faith. Because when I was baptized, I clothed, I was clothed with Jesus Christ. And there's no male, there's no female in Christ. There's no class of people. Verse 27. There's no nationality. We're all one in Jesus. And because of that, God sent the Spirit to my heart. Then I went to 522. Oh, you could hear a pin drop in this place. So the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. So I'm not going to get into them. But I figured y'all know what sin is, right? Of course, at this time, a lot of people are holding their cocktails and their drinks and they're like, should I set this down? (laughs) I said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I said, these qualities we need in our public education system. Whether you believe in God or not, we need those qualities. We need kids who love who have joy, who have peace, who are kind, are not resentful, who don't rejoice in evil. And then I'll go to 1 Corinthians 13. Look, it was a smattering of an applause. But I introduced Jesus, and in the end I was right. Because look, if you miss Jesus, if you miss the forgiveness of Jesus, the purpose on life, and you miss living forever, that's dumb. That's just dumb. By any definition. I said that line. So, I tell you that. You say, why did you go through that and use that as an illustration? Based on what I just quoted to you in Galatians, I am 100% convinced. When you surrendered to God in baptism... That voice, this is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. That's what happened. You have Jesus inside of you. That's what happened. To me? To me! Yes! I hear I understand Jesus. I'm saved by His grace on a cross. I fall to my knees. I surrender. But I know even though I didn't hear it, if I would have read this more closely before I did this, I would have listened to it. But I believe God looked down on me and he said, you're my son. And I love you. And I'm pleased with you. You know, Jesus at this point, he hadn't done one thing as a human besides build a few houses. It's not based on your performance. So I'm going to try something today. Because our next part is the wilderness. You're going to have to get those three things in your mind. And you're going to meditate on them. Because once you go out into the wilderness, and it's going to happen, we'll get to that next. So I thought, 
we could do something together. Let's see, I have four sections here. This is going to be fun. I'm going just off script here. This is going to be fun. This section on the left, when I say, I'll make this pithy. When he says, this is my son, you go, I am a child of God. All right, you want to practice? Now, if, you're, if you've been sleeping, here we go. Then we'll get to the next section, which will be whom I love. You got it easy. This will be this middle set. He loves me. All right. With him, I'm well pleased. God is pleased. And feel free to enunciate because God is pleased with me. I think would be better. And then you wait for the finale. You say nothing. The fourth. All right, can we try this? This is going to be fun once we do it. So, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son. We got four people over here who have the spirit of God. And the rest of you, I'm going to invite you to respond at the invitation. That was weak. Gee, it's tough, babe, when you go off script. Okay, a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Love it. Whom I love. I forgive you. With him I am well pleased. Y'all cheated, y'all had sigh. That's all I heard. Now, here's the interesting thing. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 12, because Matthew, if you look at there, there's no chapter break in there. I want you to really get this. Mark 1, 12. When Jesus came out of the water, the Holy Spirit at once, immediately, there was no chapter break, carried him to the wilderness. You say, is that... Is that what that says? At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now what happened there, you're familiar. The evil one used the same tactics that he used in the Garden of Eden. He, he began to question our faith. He questioned Jesus. If you're the son of God. Remember what he told Eve? Did God really say? Well, of course he really said. In fact, nine times in the first two chapters of Genesis, it says, and God said. So then he moved on and said, you won't die. Remember what he told Eve? I'm comparing, and you can do this in your own personal Bible study time. Matthew 4 to what happened in Genesis 3. Because the evil one, he has two tactics. He tempts you. And he'll kill you. That's why I told you the story about Angel. I see why she died now. I see why John the Baptist had his head cut off. He had the gall 
to go out in the wilderness. He was a voice crying out in the wilderness and go to the king. John 14. I mean, uh, Matthew 14 and say, hey, you and your wife there, that's not lawful. That's why in Hebrews 2.14, Jesus came to, to destroy him who had the power of death. That is the devil. That's why in Hebrews 4.15, Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are. It was without sin. But he can help us. So you have the three temptations. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. You know how you turn a garden into a wilderness? Put a poisonous snake in it. You need a weapon then. First day of Duck Dynasty, we're doing a commercial. There's a guy, he's got all these snakes. He's a snake wrangler, professional. I thought, this is weird. He hands Willie a snake. I was like, I don't know if I like this. We're doing a commercial. We're, we're trying to get people to watch our show. This is all set up. Well, the snake just chomps down Willie's thumb. He said, it's not poisonous. And look, blood started pouring down his arm. I said, well, he's bleeding. Who cares if it's poison? I'm looking at blood. When blood's streaming down your arm, we got a problem. Well, I noticed in a cage... He had a cotton mouth. That is poisonous. I said, let me tell you right now, snake wrangler. I don't play with poisonous snakes, spiritually or physically. So an argument arose. Because by contract, this guy is the professional. They sent him down. So they started giving me all these arguments. She said, why, why are you telling me a story? Well, I got to looking. And I said, you don't have but nine fingers. I said, what happened to that 10th finger? He said, well, I was in Africa and a snake bit it and I lost my finger. I said, let me make an announcement to the Duck Dynasty crew. I do not trust nine-fingered animal wranglers. I tell you this to say, if you're getting your advice off of social media, and at public school and at a bar. Why are you so shocked that this whole life went off the rails? You know what's interesting? They commit the sin in the garden. And then God comes up and asks them three questions. You know, who told you this? And where are you? And. You don't think God didn't know what happened? He's all-knowing. You said, well, why was he asking the question? To see if they'd lie about it. And they did. We do the same thing with our kids. Oh, I'm an interrogator like you wouldn't believe. Guess what? I know the answers to the questions. I, I never ask a question I don't know the answer to. Lie. So Jesus, thank the Lord, after 40 days, he answered with Scripture. He overcame the temptation and he winds it up with saying, worship and serve the Lord God 
only. Thank the Lord. So, what does this all mean? Well, I believe that Jesus, when he was in the wilderness for those 40 days, he basically did everything that the children of Israel should have done. And there's a comparison there. And you say, what do you mean? Well, I want to read you something in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I think they have this on the screen for you. Because you say, why do we have the wilderness? Why would the Holy Spirit carry me to the wilderness? Deuteronomy 8, 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. That's why you're going to go through the wilderness. Spirit's going to take you out there. Some of you might not have done well. God wants to know what's in your heart. Are you sure? Are you going to trust his word? Did God really say? Did he really say, I'm a child of God. He loves me. He's pleased with me. He humbled you, verse 3, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, that's the verse that Jesus quoted to the evil one. I wanted to read this to you. I'll give you these points of what happened in the wilderness. You know, verse 5 speaks of discipline, which is a cousin to disciple. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You remember what Jesus said? I don't even have a place to lay my head. You better bring your cross. So why is Jesus always saying like that? Because he knew the Spirit was going to carry you in the wilderness. God's going to test you. The evil one's going to tempt you. And if you don't give in, guess what? He's going to persecute you. He's going to bring pain to your life. And he may kill you. In verse 5 of Deuteronomy 8, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. He allows it to happen. I want to read this of this comparison to what the children of Israel went through and what we did. This is by McGuigan in, a, in his book with uh, Exegeting Exodus. Listen to this. They were to be tempered by the absence of soft conditions in the wilderness before they entered the promised land, which produced so abundantly. But in either place, they were blessed. How is that possible? Because behind bread, behind the physical needs, lie the great provider, whose purpose is not to bind them to prosperity, but to him. It was by the word of God they would find themselves in a place of abundance where they would live and prosper. But how is it that they could live and prosper in a wilderness? By the same word of God. It isn't where they are that ultimately provides life. It's who they're with. 
So in the wilderness, they found trust. They found assurance. They found that sin matters. There's consequences. You'll find the same thing in our wilderness. I'm going to close with this because in Matthew 18, something interesting happens. And that's why I told you this bore my soul about angel. He gathered up on a mountain with Elijah, who didn't die. God just. And Moses, who there was some big dispute, read the book of Jude, about where Moses' body was once he died. And what's interesting is Peter's looking around and, you know, this energy, this transfiguration starts to happen. And guess what happens? A voice from heaven. Y'all read it? You know what he said? The same thing he said at Jesus' baptism. You say, well, why? What's he doing? Here's Jesus that no crime was committed with Jesus. Why? There wasn't a body. Couldn't find a body. That's why he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Because they could, you couldn't have proven it anyway. Can't have a crime without a body. You got Moses. We can't find his body. And Elijah, he just left by the power of God. What's the significance of that? They're still alive. It's not when the evil one thought he had won by crucifying Jesus. Guess what? Wrong! I wasted 20 years of fretting, asking why in the world would God take the most spiritual person I knew? Well, that wasn't God at all. If I was the evil one, oh yeah, that... I would have tried to shut her up, too. So now, I did what the Hebrew writer did. I realized that I'm surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I'm marching to the wilderness. And when they persecute us, when they alienate us, when they laugh, because wilderness may be this church building to you. The evil one masquerades as an angel of light. It may be your cell phone. Oh, it's a wilderness there. Would you all agree? You say, what are we going to do? I'll tell you this. I'll make a deal with you. If you'll read this, because this is your weapon, he... Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit. When you're in the wilderness, this is your weapon. The reason I quoted all those verses in Galatians, I wasn't trying to impress you because I'm not very smart. But I have the Holy Spirit of God. That's the bullets. I'll make a deal with you. You read this more than the time you spend on your cell phone. And I'm good. Because then I'll know you'll make good decisions while you're there. I'm not picking on the cell phone. I just, it just starts me, you know. Man, I'm driving the other day on the roundabout. There's a person dead stopped at the yield sign. I blow my horn. Car comes around me. I go around them. I look, it's a woman looking at me. She's on her cell phone like, 
Why are you blowing the horn? I'm on the phone here. <laughs> My window was down and I went, live! I didn't do it mean. I was just saying, live! You're dead stopped at a roundabout. Live! I'm going to offer the invitation. Some of you might have forgotten. You going to try it again? You might have forget, forgotten. Thank you, Trent. You might have forgotten. You might have forgotten. And now the finale. On the mountain at the transfiguration, he said those three things. And then he added one more thing. Matthew 18. Listen to him. It's one thing to hear it. It's another to listen. So when you leave here and go to the wilderness, you ready? This is your finale moment. And then we'll arise and you can come. One, two, three. We got to do that again. That was two weeks. Let's everybody join in. One, two, three. If you have a need, come while we stand and sing.